house of the Lord today. I am excited to be here. Are you? Yeah! You know what? This has been a worship service so far where we've honored the Lord, and I think He's returning it to us. Just returning it to us with the presence of the Holy Spirit in this place. And we can't ask for anything more when we come together in corporate worship than that the Spirit of the Lord, that the Holy Spirit falls on the house that we're in. Amen? That's what we want. And that's what we've experienced today. Listen, I have some things I want to share with you today that I believe the Lord has laid on my heart. It starts with a wonderful character that we all know and a a tremendous uh, Bible character, I'd say. And that's the prophet Daniel. Now, Daniel is someone that we know. We probably know a lot of the stories about him, but... There's some things today I want to talk about, Daniel, and and I think what it's going to focus on is Daniel and his prayer life, and then also being the strong prayer warrior that he was. We'll talk and walk through that a little bit, but he needed things from God, too. It's not just because he's, like, out there and he's, well, we think of him, man, Daniel, look at that strong character what he was. But he needed things from God too. How many people need something from the Lord today? I got both my hands up. I need something. And Daniel needed those things too. And I just want to start uh, here in verse, uh, or rather chapter 10 of the book of Daniel. And you can uh, go to chapter 10 if you'd like, but I'd like to, if, uh, if you have your Bibles with you. But if not, I want you to look up here and I'm going to ask you to help me a little bit in these parts that are uh, yellow. I'm going to ask you to repeat it. I'm going to read this and just follow along with me, if you will, starting here in chapter 12. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel. Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day, say that with me, first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before God, say that with me, humbled yourself before God, your words have been heard, And I have come because, say that with me, because of your words. Heavenly Father, I ask you right now to just come into this place with the presence of your Holy Spirit stronger than ever before. I ask that every word that comes out of this mouth today will be under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and that your words would be said into this house today and spoken into this house today for your glory and that lives would be impacted through this power that we know that we have when we approach the throne in prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. So look, in, Je- in Daniel 10, 12 here, as it's saying, we, this is a time where uh, we find Daniel uh, during the course of his life where he had been waiting and waiting and waiting for some answers. Okay, he had been looking for some things that, uh, even though there have been great victories and great things in his life, this is something that he was at a time in his life when he was really looking for something. And as we dive down into this a little bit more, I think what we're going to see is how God proved, remember this year's theme is what? Prove me. Prove me. How God proves that he heard his prayer the first time that he prayed. And what, in order to sort of set the, the, the picture of, uh, of where we are in the story With Daniel, I want to uh, just tell you a little bit about the times that he lived in. 
Daniel lived in a time that was not anything like what we experience here in Fleming Island or Clay County or in the greater Jacksonville area in the United States of America, for that matter. It was a time of total contempt for all things God. That was the time that he lived in. It was a just complete rejection. There was idolatry at just unprecedented levels, wickedness, spiritual things, and, and the people that were around him were dismissed and mocked and scorned, as, as he was. And, uh, of course, he lived during the time of, there was several kings that were, that were referenced in the book of Daniel during his time, but, you know, he was there during the king of, uh, uh, reign of King Nebuchadnezzar, as we all know. And uh, that was a time when, uh, at this time, even though, you know, there, there had been a time where Nebuchadnezzar had the, uh, the, the dream interpreted by Daniel, Yet, the, the idolatry and the things that were in violation clearly of the Ten Commandments, the, the first two, were uh, something that was just prevalent in the society. And we've got a slide here about the Ten Commandments I was going to show you. The first two commandments, again, there's ten things that God gave to Moses, right? Thou shalt, not, thou shalt have no other gods before me. That was number one. Thou shalt not worship any graven image. That was number two. If there was ever a time that violated the first two commandments of the Ten Commandments, it was this time that Daniel was living in. Now, in, in Daniel chapter 3, verse 1, we're going to go to this verse now, and it, I'm not going to read the verse, but I'm going to just talk about what it says. It describes a false god that Nebuchadnezzar ordered to be built. It was 90 feet high. Think about that. 90 feet high and 9 feet wide. It was a gold idol, and it was built under his command, and it was to be set in a place of prominence in the province. It was something that he wanted to be a center point, Nebuchadnezzar did. He wanted that idol to be something that, when you looked around, that was what everybody's eyes were drawn to. And actually, I have an illustration that someone did, just imagining what that might have been like, that I want to put up here. Can you show me that one? This one. So now, if you look at this, this is just, again, an illustration. But this is something, you see the people there. It's something to just show how prominent this was in the land where Daniel was living. This is the times that they were in. Again, idolatry, as I said, in the Ten Commandments, something that everybody knew that, had that, that, that believed in the, in the true God, the one true God, knew that that was not what needed to be in the prominent position. Yet, that's what Nebuchadnezzar did. And not only did he do that, he demanded that everyone worship this idol when, or actually, he, he decreed that everyone worship this idol on demand, is what I'm trying to say. And on demand, what I mean by that is, there was a, a time that the scripture says where if, if you heard the horn sound, or if you heard uh, other instruments that they mentioned, or even it, it actually says, when the music, when you heard the music, no matter where you are or what you were doing, you were to fall down and worship that image at that moment. So now picture yourself if you're doing something that you like to do. Maybe you're at the town center and you're walking around and you're shopping or you're going to the beach and you're planning to have a nice day out there. Or maybe you're going to dinner with your family and you're about to sit down at the table and the music comes on. Well, you could say, well, you know what, okay, I know I'm supposed to worship this gold image, but I'll wait till after dinner. Or let me finish what I'm doing at the beach, and then I'll 
I'll, I'll worship that later. That's not how it worked. And let me tell you something. The scripture says, if you didn't do this at the time when you heard the horn sound or when you heard the music, if you didn't fall down and worship this idol right then, guess what happened? You were executed. You were given a death sentence at that moment. Now, this is not a death sentence that works like the ones that we have here. There's not an appellate court. There's not a Supreme Court. There's not a death row. There's not a place that you can go and sort of have your, uh, have your side of the story heard. When they said that you were on demand, you're going to be put to death, and the way they put you to death at that time is they went and got you and threw you in a furnace. Now, we know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, how God delivered them. But now think about that. I don't, you know, I don't know that there's probably a lot of favorable ways to die. But I can tell you, getting thrown into a furnace has got to be one of the worst ones, right? I mean, just think about that. And if you didn't worship this idol on demand, you, got, you, you were seized and you were taken and you were put in this furnace. You were executed. That's the times that Daniel lived in. Now, during this time, because of his what God had done and, and had, had put him in a position where he was able to interpret dreams, he was actually promoted uh, during a time. Again, I'm skipping around a little bit of the chronology of it, but he was made to be ruler over Babylon at some point. He was actually given a title of chief precept over, uh, over all of the wise men because of the things that he had been able to do in interpreting the dreams. But So now, what I want to do, though, is I want to look at just as you understand sort of the times that he was living in. Here's Daniel, a man of God, a man worshiping the one true God, his God. But the way he went about his life was centered on, founded on, grounded in prayer. And he had a specific way that he went about that. And I want to talk about that in verse uh, uh, chapter 6, verse 10. We have a verse here I want to, I want to show you what, Daniel did. There's some things, very interesting things about how this verse unpacks the way he, he approached his prayer life. It says, when Daniel knew the document had been signed, and let me just, just uh, tell you what that is very quickly. The king had issued a decree based on people who were conspiring against Daniel. Daniel was someone that they had fear of because of his relationship, because of his ability to interpret things and and, and, and that God gave him the interpretations and the prophecies that he did, they knew that he was some formidable person, and there were people who conspired against him. Now, believe, can you believe that? People conspiring against the man of God? We've never seen anything like that, right? But that's what they did, and they wanted him out of the way. They wanted him out of the picture for whatever reason that it was. So they went and convinced the king, under the law of the land at that time, to issue a 30-day decree that said, in the next 30 days, anyone that worships any god other than the king's god will be executed. Now, at this time, the method of doing that would be to be cast into a lion's den. And we know the story about Daniel and that. So that was what it was. And again, it was just for 30 days, and it was such that the king, the way the law of the, of the, of the land at the time was, the king could not rescind that decree no matter who violated it. He happened to have... The king happened to have a favorable view of Daniel. But yet he could not do that because that's the way the law of the land was. So this 30-day decree was put in place because of these men who had convinced the king to do it, who were conspiring against Daniel. That's the document they're talking about. So when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, so it's saying that Daniel knew this. 
Okay, he knew what he was doing. He knew he was violating this, and if he was caught doing it, he was going to be put to death, essentially, by being cast into a lion's den. So when he knew it was signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber, open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. So there's four quick things I want to tell you about what this verse says about Daniel, the prayer warrior. About Daniel, the person of prayer that he was. The stalwart that he was. First, we see that Daniel had a place to pray. A place to pray. How many people saw the movie War Room? You know what that is, okay? Daniel had a war room, okay? He had a prayer closet. He had a place that he was going to go when he prayed. And I think that's a very important thing. It's not a required thing, per se, but it's an important thing about the discipline that Daniel had. So he had this place that he went. He also had a position that he prayed. And the way he prayed was on his knees, the Scripture says. Now, I don't think you have to be on your knees to pray. I want to make that clear. You can pray walking around. You can pray sitting down. You can pray driving in your car. You can pray when you're at work, on the telephone even, in your, in your head. There's a lot of ways you can pray, but there is something particularly humbling, and there's something particularly powerful about integrating times in your prayer life where you are on your knees. I'm going to say that again. Now, for those of us, some of us that may have a hard time doing that physically, that's okay. God understands that if there's a way that you can do it. But there's something powerful about that. And Daniel recognized that. And he was going to be in a certain position when he prayed. And the scripture says he got down on his knees. The other thing he did was repeat himself very consistently in a routine. His routine was that he would go three times a day. It says right here he got down on his knees three times a day. Now, I don't know if that was morning, noon, and night, or if there were other times that he did it. It doesn't really matter. But what it does matter is that every day he prayed three times because he had a routine. He had a discipline about it. He had a repetition about what he did. And the last thing he did is he had a purpose when he prayed. Daniel had a purpose when he prayed. I'm sure about many things, but as the Scripture says particularly here, it's giving thanks. So what it says is, he got down on his knees. He was in a certain position. He was in a certain place that he had designated as his prayer chamber. He, he did this three times a day routinely, and he prayed and gave thanks before his God. I want to encourage everyone in here to start every prayer, and maybe you do this already, and probably most of you do. Start every prayer, no matter if it's a short prayer, a long prayer, an important prayer, just a routine prayer. Whatever the prayer that you have, start it with thanks. Start it with thanks. Because we can pray. If we're like, well, what am I going to pray? What am I going to say? What am I going to do? Just start thanking him. Thanking him. Thanking him for the nation that we live in. Thank you for the sun that shines upon us. Thank you for the world that we have. Thank you for the air that we breathe. Thank you for the salvation that you brought us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You could spend literally all day, every day, thanking the Lord if you chose to. But bring thanks to him. And that's what Daniel did. That was a purpose in his prayer. He came to give thanks. So now, of course, during this time, the king's uh, uh, decree is out there. The men who conspired against Daniel, well, they caught him. I don't know when within that 30-day time when he did, when they did. But they caught Daniel and 
guess what they did? They ratted him out. They ratted him out, man. They went to the king and said, hey, look, man, Daniel, he's praying in that tower up there. We caught him. Now, remember what you did. You've got to, you've got to throw him in the lion's den now. Remember you signed that paper? Well, the king, because of the long length, did not rescind that, even though he favored Daniel. In fact, when he put him in the lion's den, he said, I'm paraphrasing, but the king said, look, I hope your God delivers you from this. And, of course, we know that he did. But the thing is, is that, that at that moment, of course, Daniel was put into the lion's den, and I just want to just sidetrack off of this just for a moment. You know, the, the story is, of course, as we know, Daniel was in the lion's den, and the lions were not able to... to do anything to him. In fact, when the king came back the next day, he was like, hey, Daniel, are you still in there, man? Are you alive? Because <laughs> he had sealed the, 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 the room, right? He had put his signature on it. They couldn't. They, there were nobody, so nobody could go in. He's like, are you in there, Daniel? Are you alive? Are you okay? And Daniel says, yeah, man, I'm in here. I'm okay. And he said, God sealed the mouth of the lion. God sealed the mouth of the lion. <laughs> That's what he said back to the king. And the king actually then went on and said, we've got to worship this God that Daniel has, man, because Daniel, he goes in there, the lions can't even touch him. He decreed to the country, everybody, this is the God we need to be worshiping. But Daniel said, I always wondered when I, when I read that, I always wondered, was it like, did Daniel see, I think about weird stuff like this, <laughs> did Daniel see the mouth of the lion, or was there just like a piece of skin there? You know, there's no mouth there. Maybe he did, I don't know. Or maybe it was that their mouths were there and you could see them, but they couldn't open. You know, maybe that was it. Or maybe they were just there and God just said, peace. <laughs> just calm. Don't mess with Daniel. <laughs> Leave Daniel alone. Maybe that's what they did. I don't know. But God, I mean, Daniel said that God sealed the mouth of the lion. So that's why I always thought, like, I'm just doing this lion like this, you know. Sorry. Hey, hey, lion, what are you doing? I know you can't eat me, but, you know. How you doing today? That's just, I know, I'm weird like that. But I, just, I just think, you know, what did God do? It's just amazing. So so Daniel comes out of that. This is the point that I did want to make, though. He comes out of this, and the king says, hey, guess what? All you guys that conspired against Daniel and your families and your wives and your children, come on. You're heading in to the lion. And the point, I'm sorry that that had to happen, but the lions devoured those people. Their mouths were not shut there. They were eliminated. And I think it says something important, and I just want to make this point, and I hope you take it for what it is. It is very perilous and very difficult for you as a person if you come against the chosen people of God. Don't do it. That is the perfect example. I'm not saying you're going to be thrown in a lion's den, but I tell you, I wouldn't want to be. Now, I don't think you should treat anyone like that. Don't treat any person like that. Treat everyone as, as Jesus would treat them and love them and respect them and all of that. But whatever you do, don't speak against, don't come against, don't do anything, don't connive, don't conspire, don't say something to the front and stab them in the back to God's chosen and appointed. If you want to have a fullness of life and you want to have a fullness of joy in your life and if you want the, the power of God to be on your life, my word to you today, and I don't probably think anyone in here needs it, I'm just saying, don't ever do that to God's chosen. 
Because these people, these conspirators experienced the downside of that. So there's adversity, it's dangerous times, it's perilous times, it's idolatry, wickedness, this is all around. Daniel was now seeking God for something, and he needed something, and there was an encounter that he had. And I want to get to that right now. In the midst of all of these things that were going on around him, all the persecution that he was dealing with, and of course during some of this time he was being, you know, he was, he was promoted, and things we'll talk about that in a second, but this was not an ordinary encounter because Daniel was facing these things. I'm not sure exactly all of what it was, but I'm sure he had to feel like we all feel sometimes that it was just overwhelming. Have you ever felt that way? Maybe you're feeling that way today. Have you ever felt overwhelmed with something? Have you ever just felt like, man, I'm tired. This, I've, been, I've, been, I've been seeking God in this. It's all these things coming against me. Uh, it's my job, it's my family, it's my friends, it's this, it's that, whatever it all is. And there's a lot of things out there. But it just weighs on you and it just comes in. It's just sort of, it's, 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 a, it's hitting you and it just seems overwhelming. I feel like Daniel was at that point when he had this encounter we're going to talk about. The encounter he had was a vision. And this vision is described in chapter 10, verse 5 and 6. I'm not going to go into that today. You can look that up and see what the context of the vision was. But just know this. It was a powerful encounter. It was a powerful encounter, this vision that he had. And it was a word from God for Daniel. Now, there were others with him, but he alone is the only one that saw the vision. And there's a verse uh, here that I want to show to describe that in Daniel 10, 7. And it says here, I, Daniel alone saw the vision. For the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. So this encounter that Daniel had, where God was going to make a moment in time that he was going to, to make an impact on his life right there. There were people, it doesn't say how many, but there were people with Daniel. None of them saw what he saw in this vision. But they were so moved by the presence of God around them. They maybe didn't even know it, but the presence of God in this vision that Daniel's experiencing, that they're shaking. Just think about that. Think if you were somewhere and somebody's seeing something that you can't see. It's like, are you seeing this? Are you seeing this? Oh, my goodness. Are you seeing? And, and, but they, they just feel something around them to where it's scaring them, where they're shaking. This is what the Scripture said. And he's shaking so much that they go and they hide. They're scared, man. And yet, Daniel, here he is, he's receiving this vision. Now, this vision that he's, that he's receiving is actually something that takes so much out of him. And again, I'm paraphrasing, but basically it took all of the strength out of him. The, just, the, just the awesomeness of it all, what he was experiencing, it just it drained him to the point where he just lost all of his, all of his strength and everything that was in him. It was so powerful. Yet the other men didn't see it, but they experienced the... The, the powerfulness of it in the point where it, it made them fearful and they and they ran to hide. So it's important. I'm going to come back to that in just a second to understand that encounter. Okay, now, when, when God revealed himself to Daniel at that point, he was he was coming in and, and, and showing him something, but Daniel may not have understood what it was. I don't think that he did at that moment. But then he begins to reveal to him what the mystery of this vision and the mystery of God is. So it was something that God knew what he was wanting to say through this encounter that Daniel had. He knew he had something to say, so God knows what it was. 
It was known to him, but it was shown to Daniel. How many times do you think that you want to know what God knows? That you want to know what he knows? And I don't mean in every way, but I mean for your life. I want to know what you know for my life. Well, the only way you're going to be able to know what he has for you is to be in a place where he can show you. See, Daniel was in a place where he could show him because he was in a place where he had been seeking God. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. But there are some times that we can only know the things that God wants to reveal to us. We can only know the things that God is going to speak to us through prayer. Now, there's other ways he can speak to us. He can speak to us through his word. He can speak to us through the fellowship of believers, through a word of knowledge, through a lot of different ways. There are other ways God can speak to you. He can do anything he wants, right? But there's some things that he can only speak to you and that you can only know and he can reveal those mysteries through prayer. And Daniel knew that, and that's why he was so strongly seeking him at this time. And in fact, if you look at Jeremiah, verse uh, 33.3, I just wanted to share this with you. And again, this talks a little bit about what I just said. There's just some things you can only know. But it says this, Call unto me and I will answer thee. He's not saying that he might. These words are not by accident, okay? If you go and look up the Greek and the Hebrew and you look at these words, these words mean something. And it says, I will. That is an absolute. I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. So now that means call unto me. That's praying, folks. Call unto me. Get down on your knees. If it's three times a day, if it's in a special place, if it's in a routine, whatever it is, that's a great way to do it. That's what Daniel did. But whatever it is, call unto him, and he will answer you, and he's going to show you not just some things, The Word of God says, and the prophet Jeremiah says, he's going to show you great things. He's going to show you mighty things. He's going to show you stuff that's big, that's large, that's important, that we don't know. We don't know. And why don't we know it? Because we can't. We can't see it. We don't understand it all. But if we call upon him, call unto me, he says, and I will. I will answer you and show you all this stuff that's awesome that you don't know. That's the word of the Lord. So, you know, all the adversity he had encountered this vision, Daniel did, after all of the time when he was seeking God. And the next thing I think through this is that Daniel learned something very important. He learned that even though he had difficulty, uncertainty, trials, tribulations, all the things that he had to go through. I mean, in fact, and I remember, again, I know I said this a minute ago, Daniel was dinner. You can laugh. It's, I put on my notes, laugh here. <laughs> Just, I'm kidding, I did not do that. But he was going to be dinner, right? It's like, well, I, I'm going in, and these guys are hungry, and I'm dinner. At least he was dinner is better than being like an appetizer or something. But he... He was going in, and that way, and, and I know he had faith. I'm sure he did. He didn't know, though, what was going to happen. He didn't know. I'm sure he believed. But, man, I mean, he, 
pretty daunting. But yet, he knew that God had helped him there. He was always there for him. That's the real important point. He was always there for him. He had delivered him from the lion's den. He had established him in the eyes of the king. There was a lot of things that Daniel could draw on. And through everything that he had been through, God had helped him. God was with him. God had never left him. Now, again, remember, Daniel's a man who prayed. That's what we were talking about here. He prayed and prayed and prayed. In fact, in verse 2 of chapter 10, it says that he was mourning, and he was actually fasting for three weeks. Now, if he did what he did in his normal prayer life, which I'm sure that he did, so he's fasting, he's in mourning, he's seeking God for three weeks, and he's praying three times a day. I'm not that great with math, but that's 63 times he prayed in two weeks. Best of my calculation. So 63 times he got on his knees and thanked God and asked him for what he's looking for and asking him to reveal things to him. But during this time, this 21 days and all the things he's doing, he had to feel like we feel sometimes. And somebody just stand up and say, I've never felt that way if you haven't. Where it's just like, are you hearing me? Am I getting through? Is this worth it? Is everything that I'm doing here when I'm praying and seeking and asking you for, do, for, for, for movement on things I need in my life, is it, is it worth it? He had to be getting discouraged a little bit. He may have even thought about stopping. It doesn't say that. I'm just saying he might. It's a human being. You know what? I've, I've, I've done enough of this. I'm just going to move on to something else. But he didn't. He stayed in his posture of prayer. He kept seeking the Lord, and this encounter that he had turned into something very, very important. See, there's times when God has answered a prayer that you've asked before he actually delivers it into your sight. Did you know that? He may have already answered things, or in many cases has answered things, because he works in the unseen realm. See, I preached a little bit about that in this message about Jericho the last time, or one of the times I spoke recently. There's an unseen realm. And God, you can be assured and count on this as sure as I am standing here today, that in that unseen realm, God is doing something. He's doing something. He's working. You just may not have seen it yet. So just because the prayer has not been given to us doesn't mean it hasn't been granted. The answer has been granted. See, we just don't see what he's doing because we're, our timing is not the timing that we can apply to the things of God. But here's what I can tell you is this, is that he is doing something, and these two things, that when you pray, God heard you the first time. He heard you the first time. I'm going to say that again for you guys over here. He heard you the first time. And then, when he's going to bring the answer into your life or the things that you need, it's going to be the right time. He heard you the first time, but he's going to bring what you need and when you need it at the right time. Because his timing is perfect. His timing is the one that we need to count on. His timing is not based on a 12-month calendar and a 365-day-a-year analysis that man created. His time is perfect. And when that perfect timing comes, God will be glorified 
and your answer will be delivered because he heard you the first time. That's what he said to Daniel. That's what he said to Daniel. He said to him in verse 12, clear as day. From the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before your God, your words have been heard. From the first time. Your words have been heard. And I have come because of your words. Because you got down on your knees three times a day. Because you had a prayer space for me. Because you gave thanks and had a discipline to your prayer. Because you were out there fasting. Because you were mourning. Because you were doing all the things that you were going to do. I heard you the first time. My time is the perfect time. And because of your words, he's come. That's the important thing. And here's the great thing about what Daniel experienced. And this is where we're going to wrap it up. <laughs> I tell you, this means a lot to me. I'm going to back up now to verse 9. And I'm going to tell you what, of all of this, that was so meaningful in this story about Daniel and when the answers come and all the things that he had to deal with and everything else and him staying disciplined in his prayer life. Let me just say this. He needed a touch from God. He needed an answer, but he needed a touch from God. There's something very personal about a touch. When you touch someone, take your hand and touch the person next to you. Just, just do it on the shoulder, on the arm. Just, just touch someone on the hand, hold their hand, whatever. Just, just quickly. But again, when you touch someone like that, there's something personal. That's why we shake hands when we greet, you know, and, and other things. There's something personal about that touch. And I want to tell you today that all the things that Daniel encountered in the vision that he saw and the prayer that he had, after all that he had been through, it all came down to one touch. Just one touch. And it turned it all around for him. It confirmed everything that he already knew, but it confirmed it. It revealed to him mysteries and things that, that he wouldn't have ever known had it not been for that touch. And the Word of God says here in chapter 10, verse 9, as Daniel is overwhelmed by this whole thing, it says, Then I heard the sound of his words. And as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face on the ground. Now remember what I was telling you before, that he was so just exhausted from this encounter and this vision that he had seen, that he just... He, he just lost all of his strength. And what it says is he was still hearing the words, but he was laying face down on the ground and had fallen into a deep sleep. And then it says this, and this is for somebody today. This is for somebody today. In verse 10 it says, and behold, I say that loudly because behold is a word, it's an attention getter, we call it. You know what an attention getter is? If you're sleeping and you have okay, just listen to this part right here. That's what behold is. Behold, the Word of God says, a hand touched me. And when it touched me, it set me trembling on my hands and my knees. And he said to me, old Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright. For now I have been sent to you. And when he spoke in this word, I stood up trembling. 
sometimes it's like we walk around and it's like, oh man, what am I going to do? I got all this stuff going on. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm beat down. I'm tired. I need an answer. I need something from God. And what the Word of God is saying here, that He said, a hand reached down and touched Him. And when it touched Him, it sent Him trembling to His hands and knees. And it said, Oh, Daniel, man, greatly loved. And that word is for you today. Put your name in that spot. Oh, Kevin, greatly loved. Oh, David, greatly loved. Man, greatly loved. Brenda, precious lady, greatly loved. Kavana, young lady, greatly loved. This is what the Word of God is saying today, that there is a touch for you today. He's ready to put that touch on you today and deliver you and release you and, and activate things in your life today because that touch is for you. Oh, church, oh, everyone, greatly loved. Understand the words that I speak to you. And instead of walking around where we're just wallowing in defeat, let's stand upright, as it says, and hold our chin back and say, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. He's got me. I'm okay. He's going to deliver me. It might be 21 days. I might be hungry. I might be tired. It doesn't matter. It's that I've been shown something that I don't understand. I'm so exhausted. I'm sleeping. But right now, I'm going to feel a touch. I'm going to feel a touch from the hand, and it's going to say, Oh, Billy, man greatly loved, stand up, and you're going to be shaking and trembling in the presence of God. And if you've never experienced that, today may be the day that you will. Because there is something about God when he has already answered it because he heard you the first time. He's going to bring it at the right time. And when that touch comes, it doesn't take a wonder. And it turns it all around. I don't care what you're facing. If it is a difficult family situation, if it is an employment situation, if it's uh, finances, if it's addictions that are plaguing you, if it's things that you have in your life, no matter what they are, you need your family to be saved. You want to meet the right person to spend your life with. You're depressed. Whatever it is today, I'm here to tell you that just like Daniel, you can feel that touch today. You can feel that touch today. And that touch will tell you that you're greatly loved and that you can stand up and that you can know that he heard you the first time. His timing is the right time. And he is here because of your words. That is a promise. Hallelujah. He heard me the first time, and he's here because of my words. He was there because Daniel prayed. Because he prayed. There's only some things that we can know, and that he can reveal to us, and that he can speak to us. Not the only way. There's only there's certain things that only he can do I'm going to ask everyone, if they would, to stand to their feet.